What is up, everyone? Another edition of Out in the Field and another edition of a brutal, embarrassing Yankees loss, honestly, because they just couldn't get anything going again. This is their third shutout of 13 games. It's an absolute embarrassment. All these empty at-bats we're seeing, making Michael Pineda look good. The former Yankee, of course, is known for the pine tar incident on Sunday Night Baseball against the Red Sox, but whatever. That's irrelevant to the point right now. Unfortunately, what he did was relevant today. Five shutout innings, two strikeouts. So Mayhew gets a hit off him. Rizzo got a hit, and there was another hit somewhere. Uh, Aaron Hicks hit a bomb, but it was caught right at the track. The ball was dying today. That ball was not carrying at all. Jose Trevino hit a ball deep to center as well. Of course, there was the festive Miguel Cabrera going for 3,000 hits. He doesn't get it. A huge decision to walk him in the eighth. Lucas Lickie was going to pitch to him. Boone decides to walk him. Gives up a blooper to Austin Meadows. And now this was not a good Aaron Hicks day. Because I really think Aaron Hicks should have caught this ball. I think Aaron Hicks would tell you he should have caught the ball. But honestly, he just didn't have a good read on it, I guess. He didn't get going early enough. He doesn't lay out for the ball. He could have possibly laid out for it. And the game was on the line at this point. The Yankees weren't hitting. That ball falls in. That's effectively game over, which is another issue in itself. Three runs should not end the Yankees ball game. But the way with this anemic team hitting, that ends the Yankees ball game. We don't have any runs through eight innings. And they got to start putting something together here. Like I was telling Brandon Cuddy, we got the Insiders text program going. I also met him at Somerset. Very nice to finally meet him after talking to him for a few years. Uh, great reporter for the Yankees and NJ.com. But we were talking and he's like, how would you fix this lineup? I told him I would do Trevino over Higgy, like he had suggested, move Gallo down the order. And he said, bench Glaber Torres, which I mean is reasonable, but the problem is what are you going to do with him long-term? It doesn't look like it's working out. This whole rotation thing is not working out. All these guys sitting, playing, stop, stopping, starting. It just isn't being beneficial to anyone right now. And the conundrum of Glaber Torres is we know how fragile a psyche could be. We know how bad he was last year. Ever since he lost the juice ball, he's been a shell of himself. But it's got to be way more than that. The switch to shortstop. Again, you see him make a bad play at short. Why is he at short in a crucial game situation when we need to trade for a real shortstop? Although Isaiah kind of left is picking it up, which is great with the bat. But on Sunday, Torres comes in. He makes an error in the seventh. Crucial error ends up costing him in the next inning. So he should not be a short anymore. We've established that. But the problem is that they keep doing it because they're in a pinch and they don't want to hit Marwin because Marwin can't hit still, as we've seen. And Josh Donaldson came in the pinch hit him today, and he hit a double. So Donaldson maybe is starting to get going a little bit. He's the least of my concerns. Like I spoke about this on my Twitter live the other day, the four people that you have to be concerned with in the offensive lineup, and two of them are starting to get it going a little bit. Donaldson will be okay. The back of his baseball card speaks to that. Isaiah Connor Falefa is starting to get it going. And you're seeing a couple multi-hit games. He had a hit today. He's starting to pick it up with the bat, which is good to see. And the defense is starting to look how it should. The problem is Glaber Torres is a shell of himself. He got a hit today, but he just doesn't have it right now. And he looks like lost like he did last year. He's hitting like 170 or 180 or something. It's really bad. And he's been out. I think he's sat three games now, I want to say. So he's been getting the majority of the sits here, and he's going to be continuing to get that treatment 
if he doesn't figure it out shortly. And it's just a shame what happened to this guy. I don't know what they're going to do. He should have possibly been traded. I don't know how they're going to fix this. Is he a bench player? It's a question I've been asked. I do have two questions I'm going to get to as well. But um, I don't know. He's such a conundrum right now. He really is. His OPS is under 500. I know it's only 35 at-bats, but it's picking up to where it left off last year. And that's the same problem with this offense. I know it's early. I know it's only April. I know all that. And I am a proponent of that. And I know they start slow sometimes. But this is getting compounded with previous issues. That's the problem here. That's what's going on. And they need to figure this out somehow. I don't know what the fix is. They fired the hitting coach. Maybe it wasn't Marcus Tams. Although I think we all agree a change was necessary. People want to point the finger at Boone. I don't think this is a Boone issue because these guys just need to play the back of their cards. They're not doing it. Boone can't go out there and make these plays for them. He doesn't have full control of the lineup. I don't care what anyone says. I think it's well known he doesn't. If you want to debate that, that's fine, I guess. But I have my beliefs. I know a lot of things. And I'm going to believe what I've been told and the information I've received. So he doesn't have full control. Things are rotating. It's a mess. There's an analytical department that tracks how much these guys run. And if you run 90 feet the first base to make it out, that's still 90 feet. And what they do is they put it in a computer, they calculate it, and if the number seems too high for their liking, that person gets an off day. So I think that's what the Yankees are trying to do with this. They're also playing the hot hand, cold hand. Joey Gallo's been on the bench a lot. And him and Glaber Torres are the two biggest issues with this Yankees offense right now. Joey Gallo's been dreadful. And so is Glaber Torres. These guys are providing nothing. Torres has one home run. Gallo doesn't even have a home run. He got one hit today. He's not cutting the ball off. Even his defense is slipping. He has just been awful since being acquired. I hate to say I love Gallo, but he is not getting it done. I need to be objective, and I need to point the finger at him, and he deserves all of it because he's doing absolutely nothing. He's hitting 121 before the game today. I don't know even what it computes to now because it's an updated, but it doesn't matter. He's like 5 for 36. Who cares? So he needs to wake up. He doesn't even have an RBI. That's how bad this is. And I don't know what they're going to do here because they're kind of stuck with him right now. He doesn't have a year left on his deal. They could trade him at some point, but I don't know if that points now. Is he a New York guy? I don't know. I mean, he grew up a Yankees fan. I thought he would rebound after a year and get when he got his routine together, but it's early, but it's, again, a compounding issue. We know he's a high strikeout guy. He doesn't have to hit 250 even, but he's not even hitting 200. Like, come on, let's get it going a little bit. We got to see something here. And this team sits at seven and six because they have great pitching. The offense has given them almost nothing. They're averaging three runs a game. That is pathetic. We're talking about 39 runs in 13 games. We've been shut out by the Baltimore Orioles, the Detroit Tigers, and the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays are a good team, so that one's not that embarrassing. But Orioles and Tigers should never shut out the New York Yankees. I don't care what game of the season it is. And, again, Jordan Montgomery gets left out to dry. They scored two runs from Montgomery in three starts this year. And I put out something saying as much, and everyone's like, oh, it's all the pitchers. I'm like, yes, I understand that. But they refused to hit for this guy, going back to last year, even worse than the other pitchers. Montgomery's been the biggest victim here. I don't understand. And today he pitched really well. Again, he gives up one run through six. He takes the loss. He struck out Miguel Cabrera twice. He wasn't giving up that 3,000 pay. 
We're ready for the moment. Monty was ready to make sure he didn't get that moment. And what a great job by him. And then he struck out Meadows twice. And it's just, it's tough to see that happen. You know, it's discouraging. It's like there's a Grom syndrome now with him. But he's still a solid pitcher. And this is what I've been trying to tell people. They don't really realize what he's done because the record doesn't indicate anything. But Montgomery is good. He is not the Yankees issue. And he's a solid third to second starter. I'm confident saying that. We'll continue to say that. And Luis Severino's been looking good too. He's been a great sign. He really has been. He has a win. He's pitched really well. First time we really saw that Seve was back was against Toronto. He looked dominant that day. And then he followed up with a good start against the Tigers too. So that's been great. And Nasty Nestor, this guy's a godson. He's been an amazing pitcher. We're talking two scoreless starts from Nestor with 17 strikeouts, nine innings pitch, only one walk. That's ridiculous. Nestor Cortez has been going off. And he's going to continue to be a solid state for this rotation. Jamison Tanya was pitching well, too. He's holding up his end of the bargain. Of course, he has a win because they don't hit for him either, but he's got eight strikeouts in around 10 innings. His ERA is a touch under four. He's looking like a lot better than what we saw at the beginning of last year. So that's a good sign. And this bullpen's been great. Clark Schmidt, what a story. This guy's coming in. He's putting out fires. He saved Garrett Cole the other night, and he got a much-deserved win. And then that game against Baltimore, he gets hosed by a bad call, and he pitches great in extra innings, too. And it's going to be tough to send him down. I don't want to see Clark Schmidt go down. I really don't. I think he deserves a spot up here. He's showing he can pitch in the MLB. There's no reason to get rid of him right now. There really isn't. But I know they're going to have to move two pitchers down. Sears already went down. LaCastro is back up here. Um, so it's going to be tough. I think Morancio is really proven he can stick too. But there's no one else they could really send down unless there's another move coming. But... Castro didn't do great today, but he's still been solid. Every pitcher's going to have a moment of weakness and say it was Castro's day. And Licky almost bailed him out. And honestly, like I said, that ball should have been called by Aaron Hicks. Like, make the play. It's a routine fly ball. He had so much time to get to it. He was like lollygagging. I don't know how he didn't read it well. Couldn't even try to dive. And I understand the injury stuff. But like I said, dive, get that ball. Licky's been great, too. He really has been. So this bullpen's going to be wiped out. Michael King, he's been a godsend as well. It's tough to say what they can do with this issue. I mean, it's actually a good problem to have because all the pitchers are pitching well. There's no one that goes out there. I'm like, oh, man, he's going out there. Like, it's not like when Sesto was bad or when Holder was bad or when we had Heaney. You're like, no, every, I feel good when every pitcher touches the ball. Even the role is Chapman. I know he's up and down, but overall, he's still a good pitcher. He just needs to get more consistent. I don't know what's going on with the ups and downs, but I still feel good when he's on the mound in most situations, believe it or not. I know most people might not agree, but I do. So the pitching staff's fine, more than fine, actually. It's the main reason why they've won seven games. It's just this offense is a mess. And I'm going to get to some Twitter questions now, go around the league a little bit as well. And I will say that the Tigers, they didn't play that great in the series, really. They won today because the Yankees couldn't score anything. Robbie Grossman had a good series, though, I do like him as a player. I think he's a little bit underrated. Uh, Spencer Torkelson was pretty quiet. Miguel Cabrera had a good series despite today with four hits. So now he's just one away still. I think he'll get that soon. Um, it's not going to be against the Yankees, obviously. But Miguel Cabrera, I don't think people are realizing how good this guy is. I have watched this guy play his whole career. And he is easily the top three to four right-handed hitter I've ever seen. Maybe even higher if you want to debate it. Because I saw some crazy numbers today. 
you could even say he's the best right-handed hitter I've seen if you look at these certain numbers I've I I looked up and I am gonna share them with everyone. He this pertains to his three thousand hits. This pertains to his five hundred home runs. This pertains to his triple crown, his MVPs. These numbers are absurd, and it really puts in perspective how good this guy was. I am privileged to be able to have seen him play one of the best players I've ever seen. And I just remember when he came up with the Marlins, I always knew he was going to be a special player. I never had any idea he was going to be this good because this is absolutely incredible what we've seen him do. He, okay, I got it. So 3,000 hits, 500 homers. You got him, you got Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Albert Pujols, Eddie Murray, of course, A-Rod and Palmero, but steroids. Then if you go down the thing further, 3,000 hits, 500 homers, 300 average. It's just him and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. That's it. You got three guys. Now you go to 3,000 hits, 500 homers, 600 doubles. You're going to have Pujols in that list. You're going to have Hank Aaron. That's it. And when you go to 3,000 hits, the homers, two MVP awards, you're going to have him with Alex Rodriguez, Albert Pujols, and Willie Mays. When you go to multiple batting titles, home run titles, and then you have the 3,000 and the 500. You just have him and Hank Aaron. And now here's the one that he's only done by himself. 3,000 hits, 500 homers, and a triple crown winner. Only Miguel Cabrera. This guy is a special player. One of the best to ever do it. First ballot Hall of Famer. I know the tail end of his career wasn't great, so I think a lot of this gets forgotten. But he was so gifted. And the type of hitter he is is just incredible. He was so good at putting the bat in the ball. I mean, you look at the career, he also has 1,800 RBIs. He's a 310 hitter. His OPS is 919. His OPS plus is 144. His on-base percentage is close to 400 at 387. Miguel Cabrera is a freak. He's a specimen. I mean, what this guy has done... It's just absolutely incredible. I'm going to miss him. I really am. This is it for him. But he he deserves everything he's earned. He's earned everything. He deserves everything coming his way. And a guy from Venezuela to come up with the Marlins as a young kid. Roger Clemens with chin music. We know all about that. And then he goes and hits a homer off him. You just knew right there he was that dude. And I just can't say how proud I am of the career he's had. I really, I have nothing but respect for Miguel Cabrera. Guy's an absolute legend and he needs to be remembered and treated as such. But so for the Tigers, I also been saying that the Tigers aren't as bad as people think. I know they lost Casey Mize. I know that uh, Manning is hurt as well and Baez. So they do have some injury issues and Andrew Chafin. So the Yankees had to win the series. They should have swept and the problem is the Yankees have no killer instinct. They refuse to sweep teams. And that is a problem getting back to last year. And we've seen it twice already this year. So, you know, it would be great if the Yankees went in the Yankee Stadium and actually swept the Guardians. And the Guardians are not as bad as we thought either. And tomorrow it's going to be Tyone versus, um, let's try to check who we're versing here. Let's see what's going on. We'll do a little around the league too. Oh, they, don't have, they haven't decided. See, that's why I didn't know. So... Right now, you got the Marlins are up one nothing against the Cardinals. The Guardians did win today. They are seven to five, which is better than I thought they would be early on. The Mets, what a story these Mets are! They win six to two. They take three or four from the Giants when Dora is starting the season on a tear, and the Mets are the best team in baseball right now with ten and four. 
And I got to give credit, you know. I understand a lot of people don't want to get caught up in the hype. I'm not getting caught up in it yet. There's a long season. Carlos Carrasco looks like he's back to his old self, too. You got Lindor hitting 308. His OPS is over 1,000. That's really great for Mets fans. He's looking like his old self. He has four home runs. And Carlos Carrasco goes out there. He pitches a gem. Pitches seven plus innings, gives up two runs, and he that's great for them. His ERA at one port, his ERA one four seven, seven strikeouts. Um, I gotta say, I mean, I didn't think he had this in him. I thought he was a little bit cooked, to be honest. But I'm happy to see he's proved me wrong. He's been through so much battling the cancer, and now he's back out there dominating. And even Edwin Diaz has it going on early. His ERA is a one point five. So this Mets team. The biggest problem with them is their bullpen. I still believe that's going to be their Achilles heel. I've seen them blow a couple games. That could actually be better than 10 and 4, honestly. But I got to say, they've had a good season so far. I think they need more production out of their catching spot, obviously. Um, Mark Conner started the year on fire with them hitting 380. Pete Alonso is hitting 280. Jeff McNeil is like he's back to his old self. Alonso has 14 RBIs as well with three homers. Brandon Nimmo's doing Brandon Nimmo things for him. His OPS is 1,000 right now. He's got two homers and three ribbies, hitting over 300. So this Mets team is a threat. And I will tell you, if they get Jacob DeGrom back healthy, they will be right up there with anyone in the National League to represent them in the World Series. And for Mets fans, I will say congrats early on. It's a long season. Got to see how things play out, you know, injuries and all that. We know they've started hot before, but this is a different Mets team with Bucket to help. You can tell, like, things are better in Queens, and they deserve it. It's been a long wait for them to get going. And I, like I said, before the season, this is a playoff team. I did say Atlanta will beat them out, but you never know with this Braves team what can happen. But we got to see. I mean, the Mets are legitimate right now. That's what I will say. So that needs to be recognized. And... They are four games up in the Braves. It's so early, though. Dodgers at 9-3. and three. I still believe it's the best team in the National League. Uh, the Padres are 9-5, and five, looking like they're back to normal a little bit. Giants 8-5 took the lumps. And the Rockies, the prize 8-4, but we know that ain't going to last. Um, they do this all the time. So we go to the American League. The East is a dogfight right now. The Yankees are one game back. Uh, Toronto at 8-5. and five, And they're tied with Tampa Bay at 7-6. and six. And the Red Sox are six and seven. Four teams are still fighting it out. Orioles four and nine. Yeah. The biggest story with them is when Allie Rushman could end up getting called up. I really hope it's soon because that guy's awesome. So the Guardians are actually winning the Central, which is very surprising. And Jose Ramirez is off to a rocket fast start. My AL MVP is looking really good. And I love to see it because Ramirez deserves it. He's a grinder. He signed an extension before the year. So they, they did the right thing there. He's still underpaid, hitting 426. Just absolutely ridiculous. J Ram. Guy's so good. I would do almost anything to get him in Yankee pinstripes. He would fit the stadium so well. But um, yeah, so that's that. Making 20 million a year. I mean, it's just robbery what the Guardians have did to sign him. But I mean, more power to him. It's 20 hits. He's He's leading everything with the team, probably leading most of the league categories as well. He's just an absolute freak, and I just love to see him go out there and dominate. He's such a unique skill set. His defense is outstanding. 
till he does everything well he can run and you know another person we need to pay attention to is Seiya Suzuki man this guy is the real deal he's as good as advertised his OPS is 1400 right now he has four homers 11 RBIs the league obviously hasn't figured him out yet but he's figured out the league early on I will tell you that this guy's legitimate with a score for the Chicago Cubs that's a great value contract for them and He's going to be really good for them. He's going to help them get going. Seiya Suzuki is going to be awesome in the MLB. And I really wonder, this might sound crazy, but I'm going to put this out into the universe. Could he be better than Hideki Matsui? And that is coming from a Yankees fan. But honestly, based off what I've seen so far, I know, like I will keep saying it's early, it's early, but Seiya Suzuki is a beast. And he needs to be recognized. I don't care how early it is because that guy can play. The Cubs are six and six. And I was going back to my Suzuki talk. So they're off to an all right start. Their offense is actually performing very well. That is in large part because of him. So I will say that they've been a little bit of an early season surprise. So let's see what else is going on around the league here. I know the Pirates and Cubs are about to play literally in a minute. Then the Rangers and Mariners are playing tonight. It's a quiet day a little bit because um, it's an off day. Thursday is a transitional travel day a lot. The Red Sox did beat. The Red Sox did lose the Blue Jays 3-2 today. The Twins end up winning one nothing off Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan's looking really good. Six scoreless, and he looks like he's going to be the real deal with five strikeouts as well. So that's great to see. I want I love seeing good young pitching thrive, and we're, we're seeing a lot of that this year. Um, I know Denver's has to get going for the Angels. I want to see what he has still. I know Hunter Green's been exciting for the Reds. The Oakland A's have actually really caught my attention after everything that's happened with their situation. Rain six, I know the attendance is terrible. The minor league team in Vegas is drawing more than them now, which is probably where they're going to end up moving at this point, which I think will be good. But I do feel for the people of Oakland, they're going to lose another team. It's just sad how the situation has materialized, what the situation materialized into. Um, it's really just upsetting to see what took place with that. But It'll be better long-term, at least. So, the Tigers fell to 5-7 and seven after the series lost to the Yankees. But the most troubling thing with that series is not the offense, which is really saying something. It's Garrett Cole. And I am a huge fan of Garrett. I am one of the biggest fans you'll find. But... Something's really wrong with him. Although I'm not fully panicked yet. The spin rate and um, RPMs are looking better than ever. As pointed out by Yankee Librarian on Twitter. Everyone shoot him a follow. Very knowledgeable. Also Instagram. Garrett Cole's stuff is still there. But his mind seems like shot lately. He's letting little things bother him. At first we had the thing with opening day with Billy Crystal. Then it was Vlad Jr. just beating him. And now... We had a big delay, weather being too cold, though he didn't say that, so I want to make sure that's known. He wasn't thrilled with the crystal situation, but his body language has been poor. And for a guy that's making that much money, 
His body language needs to be a lot better, and his demeanor on the mound needs to be a lot better. We need to see that guy just go out there, suit up, strike him out, get your commands in order, and just keep it rolling. The only thing I'll say that's positive is that he was really good in the first before that huge delay. That was a crazy, wacky game the other day. I couldn't watch because I was traveling. I was in Florida still, but uh, he was just all out of rhythm. I've never seen him walk that many people and walk in the run with the bases loaded. That never happened in his career before he walked five guys in less than two innings. That's unheard of for him. Probably, you could argue, it's the worst outing of his career. I think that's very reasonable. And Clark Schmidt saved the day. Otherwise, it would have been way worse. So he's thank- he should be thanking Clark for helping his ERA because could have been three more runs if Clark didn't have a good spot there, and he did. So, like I said, Clark's been awesome. So for Garrett Cole, I mean, look, people want to point to sticky stuff. I get it. People want to look at the sample size last year not being great after the crackdown. I understand, but you also have to understand he hurt his hamstring in August or September. Technically, I think it was – well, I actually was up there in Cooperstown at the Hall of Fame when he got pulled against the Blue Jays. I don't know if something was wrong before that, but that was early September. He pitched the last month of the season. He was terrible. He was absolutely god-awful. I saw one game against the Guardians, and he got lit up by the Guardians, which says all it needs to say, because besides Jose Ramirez and Fran Reyes, they don't have much else. So now they have this kid, Stephen Kwan, who's a really good prospect, but that was before Kwan. So for Garrett, we got to watch his next start. It's going to be much see. You got to see what's going on with him at that point. It's going to be against the Guardians. So see how it's coming full circle here. He's going to pitch on, um, I want to say Saturday. Yeah, it will be Saturday because Nestor is going to go, nope, Sunday. Garrett Cole is going to pitch Sunday because Cortez will go Saturday time tomorrow. But either way, he's got to get himself together. There's plenty of time for him to do that. In 2019, when he had that crazy season for the Astros, his first 12 starts weren't that good. He was 5-5 five and five with an ERA over 4. And then he didn't lose the rest of the year, literally. He just went off. And he has that in him. He can go on that stretch and just take over. But he just hasn't right now. And he hasn't done it since prior to the injury, like we saw in Houston with that dominant game before the All-Star break. He went off the complete game. It was one of the best pitching performances I've ever seen. And it's something that he can get back to, I think. I still do. But here's the thing. I hate saying this. I really do. But I think you got to lower your expectations for him a little bit from when we initially signed him because I don't think he's going to be a top two pitcher in the league. I don't even know if he's going to be a top five per se. I still think he will be, but you can't guarantee it at this point based on what's been shown recently. But I feel like the worst case scenario should be a five to 10 pitcher and still an ace, but are you going to be a top three? I can't guarantee that at this point, unfortunately, he has to really turn it around and go on one of those runs. We saw him going in Houston when he should have won the Cy Young in 2019. That's exactly what he would have to do to make me feel that again. But we've seen it in stretches over here last year. He was the leader for the Cy Young before he went 
on that bad stretch, he still ended up finishing second in the Cy Young. That's the thing. People don't understand. It's not like he pitched bad last year, despite what took place towards the end and with the sticky stuff. He was still second in the Cy Young, and he arguably could have won it. But I understand why he didn't. Like, I guess Robbie, Robbie Ray, in theory, deserved it, but some better numbers on the surface supported Garrett Cole. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But um, it's just been a, it's been a tough time for Garrett for sure. But we know what he's capable of. He's still got to believe he can do it. But I'll tell you what. Here's where I'm at with him. If he gives you three more poor starts, I would be very, 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 very concerned. I would give him a little more time to pitch out of it. At least get to May before you fully press the panic button. He's given us three starts. I always like to look at three as like, all right, let's get those out of the way and see what you got now. I feel like that's fair to at least kind of see where people are at. Once you get that five to eight range, you can kind of start to see how a season might go potentially. Except I did say that thing that he had the 12 and then went off. So you never fully know still, but we need to see him trend in the positive direction. Let's get his pitch count up to 100 finally. That would be a good step. I know he's been in the high 80s somewhere, I believe, at this rate. But we need to see more from him. We really do. I understand it's upsetting. So let's get to the questions. Here they are. We got one, and then we got one more detail that's kind of like a few parts. So how could Cashman survive when he hasn't made a good sign since DJ in 2019? Well, I don't think it's fair to not give credit for the Garrett Cole signing. It was still a great move despite what's happened recently and the end of last year. Much needed ace still is. He'll get it together, and the Yankees are going nowhere without him. I know besides Cole, the free agent market hasn't been great, but he's made a lot of good trades. I know Andrew Heaney doesn't come to the mind with that, but Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta. He did just do the Donaldson and IKF trade, which is very much up in the air. That one's a big roll of the dice because you had to take on Josh's money. And IKF, we all know, has his flaws, but can be serviceable as a stopgap, hopefully better than that. And he has made some good moves there. He signed Lucas Lickie, and Lickie turned into a player to nowhere. He's done it with a few other guys, too. But I guess if you look at the free agent signings, per se, since 2019, it hasn't been great. The tie-in trade, very much up in the air still, especially because Contreras is looking pretty good for Pittsburgh. And then you got Yahari and Castillo's looking decent for Pittsburgh, too, and there was another player in there somewhere. And he did get Rizzo. That's a good trade. Gallo. Obviously, I can't say it's been a good trade, unfortunately, to this point. But I understand why he did it. It was a good fit. It could potentially still be one. He just got to start. He's got to be Joey Gallo again. But get back to yourself, Joey. That's what we need. But DJ LeMayhew, speaking of him, has been a very positive sign for this Yankees team. He's looking like his old self. He's got an eight-game hitting streak. He's sitting over 300. He got a knock today. He had a decent hack the opposite way, sort of deep to right. So, like I said, the ball wasn't carrying today. 
It was so frustrating to watch on TV. The ball was just dying. That's literally what was going on out there. But it's um, yeah, that's how I would say he survives. I mean, I know last off season before this one was very underwhelming. None of those signings really worked out too well. Um, and this one, they didn't really sign anyone per se, except they re-signed Rizzo. But that's what they decided to do. So we're gonna see. Seven and six, the story is far from over, but here's what we all have to realize, and I think most have. This offense is not going to win the World Series how it is right now. I don't even think they have the talent to win one based on the offense. Even if people started playing better, I'm not sure if it's enough because I don't know how much better they can get realistically. Like, Glaber is never going to be that Glaber in 2019. Joey Gallo, I'm not sure what he's going to be at this point either. His best season, he had an OPS, I think, over 900. I'm not counting the shortened season in that stretch. Um, yeah, he had it was oh 2019. Yup, that's the one I was talking about. 986, almost a thousand, 22 homers, 49 ribbies. But this was only 70 games, although he killed it in those 70 games. He went off and he hit 253, which was by far the highest in his career. So the best year he actually had was 2017 he hit 41 bombs 80 rabies his ops was 869 and his ba was 210 but that's the type of player we need if we could get something like that even 30 homers 70 rabies give me the ops in the 850 range even like 825 just show some semblance of life play that gold glove defense we'll be good but this defense has been off too that's the other issue so let's say he gets back to normal Torres. The other thing with Torres, even if he does get better, like how much is he going to play? It's the other problem. So with Glaber, I mean, is he a bench player? I guess technically you could say he is. In theory, he's not going to be benched every day, but he's far from playing every day. So he's if he doesn't turn it around, he's going to find himself on the bench more and more just because of the rotational issues. So let's get to another question from my good friend Arnold. When the trade deadline comes, will it seem irrelevant? At that point, well, they told the average such a move don't impact this team significantly. By the way, offense, this team is horrendous. only makes it worse watching the Mets be dominant. Yep, I did touch on the Mets, and they have been dominant, and they decided to spend money this offseason that the Yankees didn't really want to spend. And you're seeing that pay off for the Mets early on, at least. And for the Yankees, you're seeing their attempts to be frugal, not working out so well. But... There's still a long way to go. We're seven to six or ten and four. But to your more important question about will this team be relevant? Yes, they'll be relevant. The pitching staff can almost hold this team up long enough to tread water to at least keep themselves in the race by July because the pitching can still get better. They've done all this without Garrett Cole pitching well. Imagine when he starts pitching well. You're talking about one of the best staffs in baseball when he gets it together as a whole unit from the starting pitchers to the bullpen, from the first guy pitching to the last guy pitching, when he's on his A game, they're going to have one of the best staffs in the entire league. And just based off that alone, they'll be able to hang in because the offense is anemic as it's been. It's good enough to at least help them tread water. So they'll be relevant, 
but it's there's such a move that can impact them significantly to fix the offense. It's so early to say. I don't know. What are they willing to give up in the system? Because Peraza and Cabrera aren't ready yet to help. But I think the larger issue might be in the outfield. Because Joey Gallo, if he doesn't get it going, that's a black hole out there. He's been a black hole so far. Aaron Hicks. Hicks has been hot and cold, but he has not come up in any timely situations, really. The problem is when he makes an out, it seems to be the most dreadful out. Like today, he had a runner on 30, pops up in the infield. Like you just can't have that. He's had so many empty at-bats and big spots already this year, but his numbers actually look good, and I do like him at a leadoff spot. I do. So it's very – he's had an interesting year so far. I know the fans are not – fans of him by any means. I understand because the injuries and all that. I get it. But you got to give this time time to get back to himself. The thing that was tough today was that point and you had the situation with the fly ball. And he's got a homer. His OPS is 800. And his average is even over 300 before today. So he is playing relatively well, but it doesn't seem like he's doing it when it counts, which is obviously problematic. And I need him to come through in those situations because this team's situational hitting is terrible. Rizzo taps it back to Soto with a defensive swing. Stan hits the ground to the other way, and they blow a chance that they should have got runs in. And then the turning point was when Hinch decides to put Soto in the ball game, and I saw that coming. I was like, this is a good move by AJ here. At first, it was like a five-out save, but then I was like, you know what? They need their best pitcher right now. They're in a jam. If he gets out of it, it takes a while. They can figure out the ninth later. You got to play to win the game, and that was the move to win the game. Because if he put in someone else, I don't think they shut the Yankees down. I think Soto was the only person that was able would have been able to do that in that spot. And that's why I was pretty nervous when he came in, because I know how good he is. His arm's electric. He hit 100 on the black his first pitch. I'm like, all right, this guy's good to go. And I know because I've seen him a few times. He's good. And they didn't have any answer for him, unfortunately. Gallo finally got a single and it was too late in the ninth. And he gets a five-out save. And the Yankees haven't swept the Tigers in Comerica Park since 2002. That's a long time. And I got a weird feeling today because I saw that. I, I checked back every year until I found one. They There was three bad trends for today. They don't sweep anyone. They don't score for Montgomery. They don't play well in the afternoon. You put all three of those things together and... They all rear their ugly heads at once. And I don't know what the issue is with this team in the afternoon. They are terrible in the afternoon. Last year, they were god-awful. I went to so many day games, and they just didn't have anything. Even when Cole was pitching. But I'm not sure if they don't like waking up. I don't know if they're hanging out too much. I don't think that's it, really, because I don't really feel like they go too crazy with that. But I don't understand. I mean, especially in Detroit, because Detroit, but... It's just um, it's just a weird thing. They can't seem to get together. And it hasn't gotten much better this year, early on, at least. But I know they were able to win the opener, at least, during the day. And then at the game at four. But here's the thing. They actually play decent in the midday games, I've realized. Like, the four o'clock games aren't bad. The one o'clock games are not great. But the night is normally their best spot. Um, but I know they got shut out. In one night game, I believe, over the weekend. But um, actually, no, that was another day game, Sunday. 
So they one night they got shit out was Toronto, but they got a lot of work to do. They're all bunched up in the standings right now. So there's that. Now back to Arnold's question about people to trade for. I know it's early, but I have a few names I could come up with. Of course, if you want to help the captain situation, you got Wilson Contreras, who's much more attainable than Sean Murphy due to the price, years in control, age, all that great stuff. Um, in the outfields, I mean, you got your normal candidates. David Peralta's is in the contract year. Um, Alex Dickerson's a lower-cost guy from the Braves, maybe. There's also Corey Dickerson from the Cardinals, maybe you could obtain. And then the biggest one, I think, that people talk about that's actually kind of starting to get on my radar now. I wasn't fully into it. Andrew Benintendi, maybe. You know, he's on a contract year with Kansas City. I know they haven't said they would trade him, but if they're not going to contend, which let's face it, they aren't, maybe he's what the Yankees need. He is hitting 360. He obviously won't sustain that, but he's a big changer from Gallo. He can run a touch more. He's stolen 21 bases his career high, although last year was 8 compared to 6. The defense is average, so you would lose something there, although Gallo's not playing great defense anyway. But I think that bat and ball philosophy is more of what the Yankees need. I get the analytic approach, swing for the fences, strikeouts don't matter, but we're seeing that they might matter in this lineup because they're not producing well. And Benintendi, his career high in strikeouts is 140. He does strike out way less than Gallo. I think last year was like 97. So it could be a good change up in this lineup potentially. But I was talking to Keith McPherson yesterday, of course, the host of the fan. And he was saying he thinks that Glaber and Gallo get at least 30 to 40 games until they would pull the plug and be like, no, this isn't working. I tend to agree because they never act fast. They always want to give it as much time as they can. And I feel like 30 games is at least a reasonable sample size to see what's going on. Last thing I'll say is that for me, I will let everyone know what's going on. I know I've been traveling a lot. It's been a crazy whirlwind of events lately. Cousin got married. Going to Arizona on Saturday now, so I wanted to get this podcast in there. So I won't be on the mic again until, like, well, actually, maybe next Thursday again. You know what? Yeah, I can do next Thursday. That should work. So I think I'm going to do stick to Thursdays for now and then maybe drop Friday. Yeah, that's what I would end up doing. So, I'm going to be in Arizona. I'll hit the Diamondbacks game. I'll get some coverage for that. And let's roll with that. That's what we're going to do. So, I'm really looking forward to that. And then after that, I'll be back. I'm going to be in the Delta, thanks to my good friend. I'll be in the Orioles game on that Wednesday when I come home. So I'm looking forward to that, like I said. And then I'll be back in Somerset right around the time the NFL draft ends, May 1st, somewhere in that ballpark or that Saturday. I was going to go back that Thursday, but I can't miss the draft. The Jets got the fourth and the 10th pick. Robbie's going to be out there as well, so maybe we'll cook up a little something, something. Everyone stay tuned. But um, we'll see what happens with that. We're going to go, but unfortunately it fell through. I was going to go right from Arizona and there, and now that's what was going to take place. But fortunately, it's a, it kind of materialized. So I will say the summer set, I'll be back soon. Volpe is getting a little bit hotter now. So that's fun to see. But 
we got a long way to go with all the levels, all the growth this year. Going to that Tarbins game was awesome. I was right by Dominguez in the dugout. It was amazing. Got him to go in the press box and time on the field. That was really late in the dugout, interviewing some players before the game. And Antonio Gomez. I got Grant Richardson. And then I also got Ryder Green, who had a great day that game. And I really got him going. I take pride in that because he was not playing well. I asked, what are you going to do to get yourself going? He showed me. He didn't just tell me. He showed me. He also really enjoyed playing on Easter. But uh, I'm just grateful for everything that's taking place. I really am. And I look forward to the journey ahead. Thanks, everyone, for the support. I'm going to say a couple things quickly here. Uh, Instagram, you can get me at JulianGuardi11. Twitter, JulianGuardi1. And Twitch, it's reloading. 1181 so if you want to get me on there you can do that too i'm gonna start streaming some stuff soon might have some new channels coming everyone check out slasher sports as well thankful for them for giving me a platform to write on ibwaa i had a few things on there i've also joined saber so that's something that i'm happy to do as well i'm still writing for fan-sided too but i haven't been doing that as much because i've been so busy also, big shout out to the Spanish company, Conal Spaces Lienas, that I've been working for in the press box and the minor league games, uh, hoping to get to some major games too. Uh, shout out to Raul Ramos and Alferi Alvarez. Everyone check out their stuff and the company. Great content. I'm looking forward to doing more work with them as the season goes on. And those are the platforms you can find me on. I might start doing more live streaming stuff like Twitter lives, um, a few other things. Uh, I think I'm going to be in the Yankee cabana space tonight. I'll start doing more spaces too, but um, it's been a crazy ride. That's all I got to say. It's been a wild one, but thanks everyone. Till next time.